Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Today, we've been asked all across the United States to stand in, actually, in agreement with our friends and family from North from California. They've asked for, the governor of California has now made it illegal to sing in church. It's now illegal to sing in church in California. In fact, you can be cited. If we were to do what we did this morning, we could be cited. Um, it's, it's a misdemeanor. And so, um, that is clearly a violation of the Constitution, the, the First Amendment, freedom of religion, number one. Secondly, it's a violation of the Word. You want to go and look up how many times it says, sing unto the Lord, lift up your praises, lift, lift up your voice together. So, it violates this Word as well. And so, I want to believe his intentions are good, but I don't understand it, and we're not complying with it. So, we're now standing in solidarity with our California brethren that uh, we are not going to comply with that. And if our governor wants to bring it here, we're not going to comply with that either. And so, so let's stand. Um, we're, not, we're not deliberately, I believe, you know, we're, we're doing all these crazy things uh, because the government said so, and it doesn't seem to cross boundaries. I believe the hearts are right. They want to keep people free. They want to flatten the curve. We don't want to see anybody elderly with preconditions to be affected. We're not going to be selfish about that. We're going to comply, even though it's uncomfortable, and it, you may have values. Hey, we're doing our best to balance all that, but we will not violate the Word of God. We will not. And so, so, Lord, right now, we thank you, Father. We, we praise you for the opportunity to come together and sing your praises. It is you that is the source of all goodness. And so, when we see inconsistencies where demonstrators can come together all over the place and shout and scream and, and do all these crazy things without any social distancing, and then you put a compliance order on church? No, I'm sorry. So we, we bless you, Governor. We bless our California brethren, but we will not comply to this craziness. And so, Lord, we ask now that you'd quickly eradicate this, this sickness and this disease, this COVID would go down in Jesus' name, and we'd be able to get back to normal fellowship in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. We sang a whole bunch, Katie. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Praise God. Well, Lord, I just want to thank you this morning. Lord, all those joining us by a live stream, thank you for the technology that allows us to stay connected. It's not a mistake. You knew exactly what was going on and what was happening, and I thank you for the foreknowledge of those who invested thousands and thousands of dollars to be able to bring in cameras even before there was any craziness. So I want to honor those that saw that and then put their money where their mouth was, and I thank you for that in Jesus' name. I want to share with you this morning um, our focus and our mission. If you'll pull out your handout, some of this is obviously a review if you've been here at any point in time, but I just felt um, I wanted to share... Um, there is a video we're going to do in a little bit. Some of you know Amy Vinsek. She leads worship. She's one of our children's leaders. She is uh, just one of our great young ladies that, well, 
about, uh, I think it was six, eight weeks ago, she came to me and she said, I have a college course, and these are my words, it's a, an organizational assessment to look at culture. And she said, uh, I'd like to spend weeks, and I'd like to investigate you all. I thought, oh, now when I worked for General Electric, we, bring, we would bring in consultants, and they would do an organizational assessment, and I need to be set free. I need to go to prayer ministry on some of those paths of that, right? So when I heard it, I went, okay, <laughs> you know, and so, but I said, you know what? I trust Amy, and we shouldn't be afraid of truth. Lord, let it go. So she spent weeks searching, seeking, sitting in, going places, visiting all men. I'm like, whoa. And then she came and she made a full presentation of that, uh, which is on, uh, you can get online if you'd like, and she's sent it to you. But we're going to summarize it. So as, um, as I was thinking about our focus and our mission, she summed it up in such a way that I can't present it to you, and, and so I'm going to let you listen to her in, in a few minutes. But I wanted to pre, uh, precondition that with a couple of questions that will, at the end of this thing, I think you'll see it come together. So let me ask you first several real critical questions. Why are you here? Why are you, you, here? I like it. I like all that. Now, if you, to be, uh, amen. So when you step back from this, first of all, let me make it even broader, bring it up to the 50,000 foot level. Why are you on earth right now, in this time, in this place? Why are you here now? Was it just a random series of events? Your mom and dad got together and voila. They did get together, praise God. But, um, that's not circumstantial. It's purposeful. I'm going to give you a scripture on that to back it up. So what is your purpose? Okay, so you're here. So now what's your purpose? Seriously, what's your responsibility and what's your purpose? What's mine? Why is it that we have this 70, you know, 10 square, three score and 10, 70 years promise. Some make it longer, praise the living God, mom, 93. And so... So we've been given this, but it says your life's a vapor. It's here and then it's gone. So why is, your, why is it so critical that you were here during that season? Why is that? You think it's, again, just random, oh, by the way, nice? It's not. Biblically, it's not. So why did God create you? Why are you so unique? Why, look around this place. One of the things you'll hear from this assessment is we are really a unique crowd. <laughs> you are... Um, peculiar people. That's what the Bible says. Amen? And so, so why did God create you uniquely, and what's your purpose? So don't let that be conde condemning of, well, I missed my point. No, there's always the rest of your life, <laughs> right? So it's not a bunch of random circumstances. Well, was it predestined, or was it free will? I like the both, because you can, actually, if you're a Calvinist, it's all predestined, they care what you want. If you're an Arminian, it's, well, free will. And so these guys have argued, all these brainiacs have argued for hundreds and hundreds of years. It's one of those, it's just like, once saved, always saved. You can get Scripture on both sides, and you'll walk out with a headache, okay? Like, what in the world, Lord, right? And it's intentionally done that way, and I believe it's both. There is a predestination, some of it's kind of spooky, when 
I wasn't even a pastor. Mama Addie, bless your Mama Addie. She's home recuperating. And so she, eight years before I became a pastor, she saw me in a vision as a pastor taking her to the nations as the, the, the white guy, the mission pastor who would take me to the nations. Eight years before, it was never on my bucket list, okay? My, asked my wife, that was not something, yeah, I can't wait to be a pastor, go to the missions and fight demons. That's just what I thought I'd do. No. And then Miss Addie has this dream, and when it fulfills, she goes, you're the man in my dreams from eight years back. I'm like, whoa, did I even have a choice? What, what was that? Or he knows everything. I, I don't know. It's bigger than my brain, right? So let me, um, let me ask you to turn with me. Let's get some Bible on this and make it a legal meeting. Uh, let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. I love the book of Ephesians, the church that was in revival. The Ephesus church, unfortunately, they lost their first love. Whew. When you look at Revelation, and there is no, I believe there's no Ephesus church anymore today. There's a warning there to go so hot and then to become so cold. So let's look at Ephesians 2 about this uniqueness of purpose that we have. Let's begin, um, let's just look at verse 10. Let me read King James and I'll look at the New Living as well. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are his workmanship. That word literally in the Greek means sculpture. Created, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, plural, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. New Living Translation says this, you're a masterpiece. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a masterpiece. Some of you are laughing. Why, why are you laughing? That, that's not good, Pastor Willie. She is a masterpiece. and <laughs> You're a masterpiece. Now, I know about you. I, sometimes I feel like a masterpiece, right? Like, oh, Lord, the things. Uh, anyway, but he says this. Uh, Catherine, quiet. Um, <laughs> for we are, a, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So this speaks of the foundation of the earth. He foreordained that we should walk in them. Before ordained. So let me ask another question. Why did God create the church? It wasn't man's idea. Why did God create the church? A body. He looked for a body. That's biblical, John. We're going to read lots of Scripture on that one. So he created, there are those, well, I am the church. Okay. I can give you a Scripture on that. First Peter 2 says, you are the living stones that are called together in the body, right? The temple, right? In Romans 3 it says, know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So you are a living stone. But he says those living stones were put together as a temple, in 1 Peter 2, it says, he, you're a living stones put together and you're a holy nation, a royal priesthood, the body of Christ. That's why the devil is so after the church. That's why there's going to be a falling away. And yet, you cannot make 
accusations against the church without accusing God's bride of being ugly or bad or, and she may have some blemishes, praise God, because we're in it. (laughs) And so, why did God create the church? Well, it wasn't man's idea. Let's take a look at uh, some Scripture around that one. Turn with me a couple of pages to the right. Go to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, and this is called unity in the body. And Paul writes this. Let's begin in verse 1. So Ephesians 4, 1, it says, therefore, therefore what? And it's a follow-on from above. I'm a prisoner for serving the Lord, and I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. What is your calling? That's a really good question to journal. What is my call? What's my purpose? Because you don't want to get to the end of this thing and say, well, you did a lot for yourself, but what did you do for the king? right? It's that servant thing we've looked at the last few weeks in Matthew 25, where he gives talents to certain ones. He gives the 10 virgins the same opportunity. Only five of them have sufficient oil. We've covered that deeply and in spades. I covered it Wednesday night as well. And and so, when we look at this, let's, let's read on. It says, what is your calling? Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body, one Spirit, and you've all been called into one glorious hope for the future. There's only one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God, the Father, who's over all of it and living through all. However, He has given each of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That's why the Scriptures say, when He ascended to the heights, He led a crowd of captives and He gave gifts to His people. This goes into the whole time he was in the earth, the three days. He went down into Abraham's bosom, led the captives free, got the keys back. That's what he's referring to here. You see that also in Peter. Verse 9, notice that it says he ascended clearly means that Christ also descended to the lowly world. At the same one, same one who is descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that we might fill the entire universe with himself. He might fill the entire universe with himself. That's big. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Their responsibility, now we're starting to get down to job description, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come into unity of the faith and the knowledge of God's Son so that we are mature in the Lord's measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So you see why the leadership of the church is to equip the saints for the works of ministry is what King James says. Let's jump down. It goes on and talks about um, you're no longer immature. He makes the whole body fit together. Look at verse 16. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. 
So let's say that you went to the Lord and your responsibility, you asked the Lord, for example, um, those who serve in children's ministry. If the Lord has an assignment for you to raise up the next generation, but for some reason you've blocked that or not asked him or not willing because it's inconvenient, then what's happening is you're not fulfilling the reason you're put here and therefore the whole body is missing a joint supplied. And somebody else has to pick it up or the children suffer. So that's why it's really important that you say, God, what's my purpose? It's, see, it's not really about me or you. <laughs> it's really about your purpose in the body of Christ fulfilling what you're called to do. So ask the Lord. This is not some kind of pressure by the pastor to get him. You feel, no, it's, it's really, it's your responsibility to ask, what would you have me do, God? I, wanna, I don't want to miss what you've called me to do because every joint supplies and if you don't fulfill it, then there's a missing part. He goes on, he does so much of this uh, in the body of Christ discussion. And he goes, we're supposed to live as children of light. And the whole body will grow in love and health together. Let's look at one more scripture here on this, this theme. Turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You remember the first part of this chapter is all about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which we've preached and t- taught on regularly the gifts of the Spirit, there's nine of them that are listed here that we're to operate in. They're given to you. Why? Well, verse 7 says, because you're to help build up the church. So the gift you got, whether it's wisdom, knowledge, discernment, faith, healing, miracles, tongues, interpretation, tongues, prophecy, helps, compassion, teaching, those gifts are given to you not so you can brag about them or feel good. I mean, we like to operate in those gifts. We, we do feel good about it. But it's really purposed in verse 7 so that you can build the church. Then he goes on. Let's pick up in verse 12. Actually, yeah, yeah, 12. The human body, this is 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. The human body has many parts, but there are many parts that make up the whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, but we are all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit, if you're connected with Christ, right? Yes, the body has many parts, different parts, not just one. And the foot, you're familiar with this, right? The foot can't tell the hand, I'm not you, you're not a body, I'm not. It's crazy, right? And he goes on and talks about we cover up some of the weak places and we endorse, but we're all part of the body. Drop down to verse 27. All of you together are Christ's body. This is the church. And each of you has a part of it. Here are some of the parts that God appointed to the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. Well, are they all apostles? Are they all prophets? Are they all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? He says, of course not. You should earnestly desire the gifts you're given, right? When I I go with uh, Randy Clark um, to the nations, we always see tremendous, um, literally hundreds if not thousands of, of healing miracles. Because Randy has the gift of healing. So where we, I believe, in 1 Corinthians 12, where it lists those gifts, 
If you're the only Holy Spirit person present that God wants to do a miracle on, you got it all right there now. But there are those that carry certain giftings, whether you're an apostolic leader. Pastor Willie is an, is an evangelist, right? I, I, I kid him. I said, you could probably leave this podium to the Lord just the way you burn, right? When he goes to the jailhouse ministry and that. So operate in your gift and recognize there are special abilities you've been given and ask God, what's my responsibility? Because trust me, you don't want to get to the end of this thing and have God say, I had a whole lot more for you to do, and I'm really sad and disappointed because actually the rewards you would have gotten that you will not get now because you were distracted. That's biblical. I'm not trying to manipulate you. That's truth. Look it up in the Scriptures. Go and look at the reward part of this. The books on that, this is the books, plural, will be open. The, the book of life, salvation. I'm not talking about salvation through works now. I'm talking about I'm a child of the king and I have responsibilities and I want to fulfill the responsibilities you've given me. When you say go, we say yes. Amen? Okay, Every you're tracking with me, right? Okay, so the church of Jesus Christ is his body and we are his holy people, his nation. So now, the question is, why are so many people AWOL? Remember that term? Absence without authorized, absent without leave? Did I get that right, Adele? AWOL, absent without leave, right? How about uh, desertion? In a time of war, what happens to deserters? Hello. And so we know that if you desert God, <laughs> or you never were his, then so why are so many absent without leave? <laughs> you know, and, you know, anyway, there's consequences to that. So, again, I, I'm just asking the Lord, I don't want to ever get to the end of this thing and say, I missed you. And I'm encouraging you to ask the Lord, as the body part of Christ, the church, what's my responsibility? What's the rest of my life look like? Forget about, Paul says, forget the past. I don't care where you've come from, what you did, how bad you feel about it. I, man, we do prayer ministries every week, and we hear the stories. Do not, he says, forget the past and press on to the high call of God. Amen. However many days we have left, press on. That's the message. Well, let's look at the outline. Um, I want to pull this in. I want to now go from the biblical side of that. I want to bring it right down, and I, I promise you you'll be encouraged after you hear Amy. <laughs> our focus and our mission. Now, if you've been here anywhere, I've been here 21 years, and this has been our mission statement. But a mission statement where the rubber doesn't really meet the road is just a bunch of verbiage. It sounds good. You, you may walk into an organization and see their mission statement, and then you go and interview one of the employees like, huh? right? Our vision here at Global River is to love God, to love people, and to walk in the Spirit. Amen. And when I, I remember we went to Fort Caswell as a staff. I was a brand new pastor here. I'd resigned from GE after 26 years, and I go to the Fort Caswell. We got the staff there, and we're like, we're trying to figure out who we are as a staff, and the senior pastor says, so we, I, I got my whiteboard out. They all made fun of me. Maybe we used to use blackboards. Some of you don't even remember that. Whiteboards, right? We got up and said, so what, who do we think we are? And out of that weekend emerged the commandment of God. Remember when he said in Mark 12. Let's, let's just quickly turn there to Mark chapter 12. It's also in Matthew. But in Mark 12, the Pharisees came and asked him some questions. 
And one of them asked him, if they got into this debate about, is there a resurrection from the dead? Jesus answers that. He says, you don't really know the Scriptures, do you, Pharisees? We talk about, wow. Um, and so, he deals with this right after the discussion of the resurrection in, Math, in Mark 12, verse 28. One of the teachers of the religious law was standing there listening to the debate about whether there's a resurrection, and Jesus clearly says there is. And he says, he realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, of all the commandments, he asked Jesus, which is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. Verse 30, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. I don't think there's anything left out there. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Teacher goes on and says, wow, you've answered that well. And, and he then says, tells this man he's not far from the kingdom. This is a Pharisee. And so when we look at love God and love people, that's clearly the greatest of the commandments. How about walking in the Spirit? Well, that came out of Galatians chapter 5, so turn with me there. Again, a very familiar scripture if you've been around here. Galatians chapter 5, he tells us to live by the Spirit. And in verse 16 of Galatians 5, 16, then I say, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. King J uh, New Living says, so I say to you, let the Holy Spirit guide your life, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. It goes on and talks about what happens if you follow the flesh, here's the fruit of the flesh. What happens if you follow the Spirit, here's the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, verse 22. And then he says, those who are willing, in verse 24, those who belong to Christ have nailed those passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and have crucified them there so we are living by the Spirit. Let us follow the Spirit leading in every part of our life. And so that's the vision. So the mission statement of Global River is wealth grounded in the biblical foundation of love God, love people, and walk in the Spirit. Okay, well, that's really nice, Pastor, but how do you do it? I mean, you know how hard it is to love some people? Love God with everything? I mean... We're basically selfish, self-centered, and we're a mess without Jesus. <laughs> so it's by the Spirit. So we sat down and said, wait a minute. we got to put some um, boundary markers or markers that says, this is how you love God, this is how you love people, and this is how you walk in the Spirit. Do these things, and you can fulfill that mission statement. So we sat down and said, well, we went into Scripture and said, first of all, we better be a temple. We better worship God. That's our first responsibility on earth is to love God and to worship Him. Worship Him. That's why do it. Like, it's like we, we play a high emphasis on worship. I remember walking in here the first time like, what's with the flags and what's with that and what are they doing and they're dancing? That? Isn't that for the clubs? What is that all about? That can't be God. And now I realize, holy mackerel, was I not free we had a whole theme on free, 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 I'm free, let's dance, let's free, I'm free, yes. Praise God. First and foremost, we exalt God's presence, and we become a temple worship. 
That's why we place high emphasis on worship. Some people say, couldn't you just like cut down on the worship like three hymns and we're done and you know, it's a little long. Why do you, why do you spend 45 minutes, 50 minutes in worship? Because it's not for you. Excuse me? It's not for you. I just want to clue you in on that. It's really not about you. <laughs> I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just, it's true, right? The second one is we're God's family. We're a fellowship. Lots of folks talk about family, and honestly, family, you, you really get as much out of family as you put in. Hello? If you're willing to forgive and you're willing to move forward, overlooking, didn't I read that? Overlooking the faults, being patient with one another, because we all got our stuff. I got my stuff. I need people to be patient with me. Right, honey? Thirdly, we need to be a schoolhouse. We need to train and equip people. Remember Ephesians 4.11. We're to, we're, our responsibility as the fivefold leaders is to equip you to do all the work. That's right. <laughs> amen. Can I get another amen out there? Like, oh, I like that one. Okay. Fourth, releasing God's love. We're supposed to be a hospital. When people come in broken... If they are legitimately seeking to be set free and not to damage the body or the family or to influence or steal from the family, those who come in here and think this is christianmingle.com, it's a hookup place, no, it's not, right? It's not that at all. It's a place where there's got to be safety. There's got to be mothers and fathers who are watching out for the flock that when someone comes in to bring detriment, that family will be protected, Right, And so there is this place where we need to be a hospital, though, for those that are truly broken, the addicted, the lost. And, and that's where all of us were. Praise God. If that wasn't true, none of us would be here, right? And so we, we got to be a hospital place, and we got to be equipped. you got to learn how to be skilled surgeons in the spirit realm. you got to be equipped to be able to handle demons, lay hands on the sick and see them and recover. Because Mark 16 says, these are the signs of those who believe. Cast out demons in my name. Handle deadly things without harm. That's like face off on the devils. This is a kingdom of darkness. We've been translated from the kingdom of his dear son into his kingdom of his dear son from the kingdom of darkness. So we've got to be skilled. We've got to be warriors. We've got to be an army. There's a time when the scalpel goes away and the sword comes out. And you don't get to do that kind of stuff against my body of Christ. Right? You don't get to make these declarations from some place that doesn't line up with the Constitution or with the Word. You don't get to do that. So there is an army, a hospital, a school, and a family. Therefore, we are personally and regionally into this place of both the mission and the sub-focus of those things. And if we do that, and if you, I want you to see our ministries fall under these categories. If you look at worship in the temple, we have so many gifted worshipers. Golly, dancers. Man, so the worship, we, part of that is the AV sound guys who are being able to make this thing go out. To, so we are gifted in that whole place. So we, we spend money, resource, time, talent, training. We're training people now to run the cameras to do more because we have to. That is part of the focus of being able to bring temple worship out to the environments. But we're also a family. We need to have places of fellowship, coming together, 
We also need to be at the schoolhouse, Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings, men's groups, women's groups, the small groups. So come on. These are all things. The hospital, we need to do, we need to go into the, into the prisons, the jailhouse, those that are locked up, those who are broken. We need to share the gospel. We need to do prayer ministry. We need to do inner healing. We need to lay hands on the sick. We need to go to those. Those are all aspects of the focus of God that we get our, we get our money and our mouth and all of the activity and your feet go to. So let me ask the guys if they'll pull up Amy Vincek's video. Now, what she did was several weeks of just looking under all the covers and everything. What's, what's really going on? And Amy, bless her heart, you know, she, first she volunteers, so she's already, you know, a gifted musician, bilingual, and is ser- serving her whole family. And so, but now she's got this college course, and this, it's, it's amazing how she dug it up. So let's, I think you'll enjoy this. Let's listen to Miss Amy. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Global River family. My name is Amy. Some of you may be fully aware. For those of you who are not, you may recognize me as the girl who plays the piano a lot on the platform or who helps out with the children's ministry. One of the other hats that I do wear is I'm a college student um, as well as a member of Global River Church. And what's not commonly known to many is that I recently did a college assignment at a summer semester and I had to do a project involving Global River Church. So when I did the project, I told Pastor Tom, you know, whatever you want. If you wanted to just stay quiet, we'll just kind of do this. I'll get things done, submit my paper, we'll call it done. Well, Pastor Tom saw the results of the study that I did about Global River Church, and he wanted me to elaborate on it a little bit and actually present it to you as the body. So thank you for this opportunity, and I sincerely pray that you are blessed by what I am about to share about our church, about our congregation, about our body, and some things I got to learn. So to kind of set a foundation, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever walked into maybe a restaurant, a bank, um, some form of organization or place? It could be a store where both verbal and nonverbal, all these little elements or things about it just kind of set you the wrong way. You know, you walk in and maybe maybe it's really dark or the artwork on the wall is a little strange or not kind of wild about the uniforms, the assistants or, you know, the workers they are wearing. Perhaps the food wasn't quite your style or the language or just the overall atmosphere or what they were presenting and selling, whichever it is. Maybe it kind of rubbed you wrong. You're like, ah, this, nah, I, I could live without that. And you leave. Or on the flip side, have you ever gone into those places where it's like, oh, this is me. You got the lights, um, all the surrounding, maybe it's the atmosphere, maybe it's the music, maybe it's what's being offered, maybe it's how polite the service is, and you're like, yes, this is what I want. What we're literally beginning to picture and discuss is how we're just stepping into a culture of an organization, of a business, of a nonprofit, whatever it is, and we're actually feeling the impacts of what it's like to really be surrounded by that culture. All those little elements from lighting to uniform to verbal communication, all of it's telling us a picture of a culture. So with that foundation, 
I want to kind of introduce the course that I had to take this summer. It was about organizational culture. So I asked Pastor Tom permission to come on for two weeks, and as much as my job would permit, I came and observed, okay, what exactly does the culture of Global River Church look like, feel like, what is being communicated, what really is culture? When we're talking about culture, we're talking about something that's extremely diverse. It's hard to pinpoint. Um, It's often described as a puzzle. There are all these myriad of pieces that can create the picture of culture. But even then, that picture changes and it shifts and it's so fluid. So culture is extremely diverse. There's a whole lot you can learn from it. But even in that, there's usually common threads, common themes, common morals, beliefs that come from specific cultures. What sets Global River apart from the church down the street is culture. So beginning there, I took two weeks in July and there are three different ways I was required through my college course to gather information. So for two weeks, I came in different hours, different days on the campus of Global River. It was not limited to just Sundays and Wednesdays. I would come random days of the week as I could and I would observe. That's one method. I would observe artwork on the wall. Um, What did the different um, staff members choose to decorate their office spaces with? Was it, you know, did they have pictures of family? Were there, you know, memoirs from missions trip? Whatever it is, I had to observe, literally watch nonverbal and verbal communication. So that was one way I collected information. Then I went in and I got verbal communication. I gathered direct quotes. Um, I had interviews with some of the staff members. I would come through and just catch something, uh, you know, as I walked by and heard members talking, and I would jot it all down. I would record everything that people said, um, just kind of non-discriminately, no one was to be discriminated in any way, but we're just gathering it for information purposes. What kinds of conversations, what was being communicated daily at Global River on services and not in service? So another way of collecting information through that two weeks was I would go to sources. So um, I would gather anything I could, books such as Pastor Tom's Breaking Free. Um, Mike Thornton had posted an excellent book about revival and some of the history of the church that's in the foyer. So I gathered um, internet sources. I Googled Wilmington and Global River Church. you know, saw whatever would pop up, old news articles, um, anything, policy books, flyers off of the table, take pictures of the artwork on the wall, anything I could to give me that, okay, I'm going to grab a piece here, I'm going to grab a piece here, and start to really thread together the puzzle. Okay, what does it mean to be in the culture of Global River? So when it got down to the analysis stage, or the stage where I literally literally laid out everything I collected in two weeks, it covered my whole bedroom floor, and I began to piece together. I looked at it, and at first I was overwhelmed as if I opened up a box of a puzzle and I was looking at a thousand different pieces. And it was very overwhelming. But as you begin to sort everything, oh, Okay, 10 people 
talked about this, or I had there were a lot of artwork that reflected this, I began to see themes, trends, aspects, and all of a sudden I began to see, wait a second, this is the culture. All these different people and all of these different pieces are communicating verbally and non-verbally what it means to be the culture of Global River. So there were four predominant themes. That was my job to look for. What are the main themes that are popping out when I organized all that information? So first theme that was kind of not too much of a surprise to me um, that became very evident was family. Family was one of the predominant themes that came when I gathered all of this information over two weeks. Um, it, I found family everywhere. When I go to the Global River website, we are families right there on the opening page. Um, from policy books, from the writings, the books I showed you, mentions of family, a lot of family talk, brother, sister, mother, father, um, and not just in terms of naturally, but it was in terms of literally spiritually. Um, there were actually literally 11 statements I gathered between both the English-speaking and Spanish-speaking congregations that supported literally speech, talking about, we love our family, we support family, we do family activities, my sons and daughters. It was very family-oriented. So that was a beautiful theme that became evident. So when you walk into the culture of Global River, it is very likely you will see an aspect of their culture is linked to family. A second theme that became evident was missions, uh, missionary work, going out into the community kind of thing, but more outward mission, international. Um, interestingly, when I collected the information and the data, it was actually, there was a lot of support for missions. It wasn't so much verbally, so it wasn't something I would come in on a random day and people would just be talking about international missions. Um, more or less, a lot of support for missions was through their website, through literature, through their policy, everything. The very core values of Global River would point right to missions. There would be, we are mission focused. We go into the, you know, the mission field. We plant churches. It was very, very mission focused. Um, one of the predominant observational aspects of missions would be the missions cafe, right? When you walk in, everyone who enters through the door into the culture of Global River is introduced to, hey, you can sit your family down and have coffee, and it's in the missions cafe where you see elements of missions around you. So that is another element that became very evident, um, kind of rose to the surface as I was sifting through information had to do with missions. So a third um, element that kind of came to the surface was work and serving. This one kind of, even though I don't want to say it took me by surprise, but it was really beautiful to see surface. Um, by the time I gathered my information, I had an entire page of direct quotes from members I gathered throughout two weeks that had to do with serving each other, serving the Lord, being passionate for His work, um, very, very work and serving oriented. Um, it also became evident when you look broader into the culture 
and you see the prison ministry, the prayer ministry, there's the van ministry, we have House of Mercy, we have the farm. There are so many different elements. Um, some members are going out to the juvenile centers. You know, we, we have children's ministry, we reach into the teens, we're branching out into young adult you know, ministries again. So it's kind of one of those aspects, it's like, oh wow, we really are a very work-oriented church and culture that became very evident through all the information that was gathered. Um, predominantly the work theme became evident through what people were saying. A lot of work oriented. I love to serve. I'm here to work. I'm here to work. Last theme that was very evident when I looked at all the information for two weeks had to do with freedom. Um, this particularly, again, breaking free Spiritual freedom is a very, very, very evident um, cultural aspect of Global River, very dear to the body. Um, interestingly, freedom was also interpreted, it came up a lot through my research, through different, you know, whatever people were saying in the middle of conversations. Um, a lot of people, um, even non-verbally, through flag waving, or they would say little comments like, I love our church, we have freedom to dance, we have freedom to move. You know, when I would just ask questions, okay, what does it mean to be a member of Global River? So interestingly though, going back to freedom, it was kind of thread apart and interpreted differently. Some people said they loved freedom to worship. Others loved the freedom to be able to just come to the altar. Others love the freedom spiritually, knowing they had breaking free. They had, you know, that sozo healing. Um, others just love the freedom of being able to come and talk and have a coffee and, you know, kind of the non-judgmental aspect. So it was very um, unique there. So with all that being said, I do want to thank you for your time. Thank you for letting me share my heart and a little bit about what I poured into with my research. Um, Global River overall, these four themes, family, the missions, freedom, and working and serving were definitely very clear in the collection process throughout the body. No matter what day or time I came in, everyone was communicating this theme, these themes. Um, one other aspect I want to note, which is beautiful about Global River, is how multicultural Global River Church is. That was another element that really, really stood out. Yes, we have the two different, we have English-speaking congregants and Spanish-speaking congregants um, as far as the body, but just the blend of how much we culturally, really from artwork on the wall to prayer meetings to how Global River operates to what people say about one another, just being immersed in the culture for two weeks really, really pointed to how strongly not only do we support missions, but how multiculturally supportive we really try to be as a culture in the church. So thank you for again for your time, for listening and hearing me out for this assignment. It was a blessing to be able to really dig into it. There's so much more. Um, it was a six-week course, so there's, there's a fantastic amount of information I was able to gather and give. This is kind of a little brief overview. I tried to pull together the pieces to give to you. I pray that it really blessed you, and it also allowed that room for you to really connect with that culture and that vision. You can deep down say, yes, yes, this is why we're family. This is why we're at Global River. This is why I love this body. So I just bless you.
Test one, two. Thank you, Amy. Praise God for, for sharing that and doing it. And so it just encouraged me, I hope it encouraged you as well, that um, when we look at the subparts of who we are, we have to protect that as a family. There's another generation that's coming up, and we want to give them the freedom. When we look at our children who come and dance, I remember uh, we visited another body during the, uh, it was the, not the National Day of Prayer, it was the Worldwide Day of Prayer, and we went to another house, and we brought, there was, well, actually one of our children came with us, and it's not a house that does what we do, and so this child didn't know any better, just got up and started dancing during the worship, and it was like, oh, wow, she doesn't know we're in a different house. She's grown up with this level of freedom of expression, even though there were a lot of looking, what is that I'm doing there? And, it's like, and so, um, when you look at it, why, why do we have our children in the midst of our worship? That's part of the level of freedom of bringing the next generation along, that you're going to be the generation that's going to lead the church the next time around. And so, we want them to be part of that. Yeah, yeah, they're up there. Sometimes they're whacking each other with the, you know, they, they, you know and, and, you know, you, they're climbing on things. It's like, that's out of order. Yeah, it is. God loves it. And so, and so uh, anyway, but there's a, there's a reason behind it, and I want you to see that. And we don't do it all right. We, you know, there's plenty of stuff that obviously we know that we have, um, if we could do over, we would do some things differently. So that's always the truth. But we keep in that position of in humility, moving forward, trying to be uh, equipped, having people speak into our lives. And, but I'm asking you to be part of this process of building a freedom in a house where it is multicultural, black, white, young, old, Spanish, Asian. Just, Lord, let them all come and feel that place of freedom. And so culturally, our, our nation needs that right now. And so I want to thank you all for being part of that, making this body uh, what it is. It's, uh, it's always been such an amazing pleasure. And I often get brought to my knees in tears about, God, what a privilege it is to be able to to serve you like this. And, and so, I want to just end, uh, if you look at the last part of the outline, just a summary. Um, number one there, our ministry is first to God. We have to keep that first and foremost. That joy and the freedom and the gratitude is towards Him. All good gifts come from Him. So, that, that fuels the desire to worship Him. When you realize how big and wonderful and how amazing and what He did for us and how He sacrificed all. In Philippians, He says, He didn't consider Himself, even though He was God, He didn't keep His power as God. He laid it down and became a humble, a humble servant who even died on a cross. That ought to move us in a place, why wouldn't you want to worship a God like that? And then that salvation that frees us from all the darkness. Uh, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I think we sang that song, right? And so, or, or talked about. So that freedom in John 8 there, the number two, once we realize that Jesus is the, the one who frees us, but you're all supernatural ministers. You all have to be in that place of recognizing you have the gifts to be able to operate. And so I encourage you to step into all of those giftings and the kingdom would come. We also, we sang it. Thy kingdom, it's amazing. This outline is like, wow, the music. Um, the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come as it earth, on earth as it is in heaven. How many times we sang the lyrics? It's like, yes, we want the kingdom to come. 
But we also want the church to be equipped, to, and we're going to do that as best we know in the equipping. And number four there, demonstrate grace. Love is the transforming power. It can impact every place. If we look at what's going on in our United States today, wow. Therefore, um, we need to be in a place where we influence all those places in the city. That's why we're out and about in just about everything we get asked to do. And then we're servants. So he's coming back. Number five, he's coming back for the glorious bride, the spotless bride. And so, Lord, we know you've got a lot of work to do in me and others. <laughs> we're, we're not sinners saved by grace. I know that's a term that I used to hear in some of my denominational churches. We are really saints and sons. We're daughters and sons of the Most High. It says in Romans 8, he says, all creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. <laughs> and so, um, if you live in, the, in this place of I'm a sinner just barely saving by grace, I'm a, I'm a worm, oh God, that, that's the wrong mindset. No, I'm a, a son or a daughter who's been equipped to go and bring the good news. Once you, it, it, you see the difference in how you view yourself and you view the, member, the, the process of the church? If I'm just this bare worm that's making it in by the skin of my teeth, then I'm hanging on. But if I am a victorious warrior who can sing and dance before God and I carry the joy and people come and say, what the heck are you so happy about? I'm going to live forever. <laughs> what are you? <laughs> you know, it's like, that ought to make you happy. It's got to do something to you. It ought to anyway. And so we want to pass that revival torch onto the next generation. So let's stand Finishing a little early, praise the living God. Let's, yeah. Come on, Daniel. Alicia, you want to come and sing us one more time? Yeah, come on. And I just want to uh, encourage those uh, listening by live stream as well. Um, we miss you all, and we, we ask that the Lord would be able to minister. I know there'll be some that'll listen in uh, even after the Sunday morning, they, they tune in. And our Spanish church, we miss you guys as well. We know that there are those that have uh, been diagnosed with some positive tests, and so I pray for those that are struggling there. Praise God, I don't hear anybody that's really sick. Thank the Lord. So I don't know all about this herd immunity and all that, but God is working this out. He's going he's gonna to cancel this. And Psalm 91 is a promise to us that we thank you for protecting all of us that no sickness or disease shall come upon our dwelling places. So, Lord, I thank you this morning. Lord, I thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you that you're the, you're the head of the church. May we always recognize we are not the head of the church. You are. Amen. We're just the body parts, and when the head moves and gives a direction, the body follows. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your faithful mercy and grace on us. Thank you for all the different sub-ministries. In Amy's report, there were 12 sub-ministries that undergird all these others. And God, we want it to be a house where freedom reigns, because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We don't want to be um, a religious spirit. I don't mean that in a derogatory. We want the freedom of God, the, the blessings of God to flow. Lord, missions, you said in the Great Commission, go into all the world and make disciples of all men. So we're supposed to go to Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost because we are witnesses led by the Spirit in Acts chapter 1. 
Acts 1.80 said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and receive power to become my witnesses. So in that, Lord, that mission statement of carrying the gospel to all places, whether it's to our neighbor next door or to the uttermost parts of the earth. And then, Lord, we thank you for the servanthood of God, those who pick up the towel and wash the feet. Thank you for the servants, God. Because he said, I no longer call you my servants, I call you my friends. But he's the one who washed their feet. So I thank you, Lord, for the servanthood of God. And, and then, Lord, I thank you for family. There are many that have broken families and need one another. And I know this. Oftentimes, the spirit is thicker than the blood. What I mean by that is you'll know each other by the spirit. And your blood family may not understand where you're coming from in the natural because of their thinking of the natural. They don't understand the things of this kingdom. So, Lord, I thank you for all the aspects of your church now. I ask your blessing as we go forward in Jesus' name.